Blog Talk Radio. Ever wonder why? We ask ourselves that very question all the time. Welcome to Coffee with Source, a candid conversation about the wisdom of Source as seen through the eyes of physical. Our plan? Keep making fun of and laughing about the old stale vibration until it simply vibrates right off the planet. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Source, our version of the morning news, sort of. I'm Rick O'Shields, and I have here with me Jean Victoria Norlock. Good morning, Jean. Good morning. Ah. So I'm sure that uh, our Everyday Connection listeners are wondering what's going on, why are they on the radio in the morning. At uh, 6 a.m. California time. And um, I am, um, oh, getting a breaking, breaking news story. Uh, <laughs> we actually did Coffee with Source before. Um, and... Um, it was just a podcast, and we were a little fast and loose with things. We'll still probably be fast and loose with things, but we might have slightly better language. Um, and, um, well, we had that one marked as, you know, mild language. And uh, so we're going to try to behave ourselves when we talk about some news stories. Uh, but it's kind of hard when you're looking at, well, news stories. Uh, I used to wonder if some of the daily news, and as time has gone on, more and more of the daily news was written by comedians, and so we're going to see if we can't make some of it go that way. Uh, so anybody that has something, you know, that's their burning yearning that they want to hear us make fun of and tear apart, oh, I mean, look at it and then try to look at it from the source viewpoint, send it in. We'd love to talk about it. Anyway... What shall we talk about this morning? Uh, uh, I don't know. There's so much going on. Uh, Where do you start? Uh, well, it's hard not to talk about the kids uh, and adults and everybody that's uh, up at Wall Street. At least uh, those of us here in the States are seeing an awful lot of news about it. And, and uh, I actually find that really odd because... Um, most of the news that I'm getting about it in Canada is through the internet. Of course, there's the odd story that comes um, comes over the TV station, but but very rare. Well, when I say you know we're hearing a lot about it here in the states, it, uh, it, again, it's mostly through the internet. Um, in fact, some accused there being a media blackout, and uh, at the beginning. I mean, I, well, the media was there for the first two days, the weekend that, that it started, um, but I think they thought everybody would, you know, get tired and go back to work. <laughs> and um, instead, we now have Occupy protests that have been been happening all over the country and all over the world. Um, yeah, I think really it, it kind of backfired on them. Um I think that maybe they were hoping that if they didn't give it a lot of 
a lot of news attention that it wouldn't expand. Right. But I think it backfired. And I mean, there's that wonderful, amazing invention called the Internet that allows people to communicate and get stories out there without relying on the big news sources. So this is, is really news by the people for the people. And, you know, they're letting people know what's really going on in the world. There's a no-holds-barred attitude with regards to the images that they're... I mean, obviously, you're an individual posting something on the Internet. You're not going to get fired for putting on an image that's too graphic. So uh, the information went out through the airways and some amazing groups like um, Anonymous, although I, I can't always condone what hackers do, but in this case, i got to give them credit, made sure that the streams were, were still you know, being fed. And and so it backfired because they didn't give it the airtime that it really deserved because it's a legitimate complaint. It's um, a legitimate protest. It's something that has to be looked at. But the news people didn't give it, give it its airtime. So the public said, you know what, screw this. We're already protesting, protesting Wall Street. We might as well protest the big time media while we're at it. Um, and they they made it happen themselves, and it it grew exponentially, really, out of out of an oops on on I would say part of the the news people. I I would have to agree. They uh, almost kind of some of the reports I've seen, they almost kind of made fun of it. But uh, uh, the BBC in their analysis section had a interesting article over the weekend uh, called Voices, and it's six Wall Street protesters that they spoke to. And, of course, the first one they have listed is a gentleman that's a student and is 25 years old. But the next one that they have listed is 52 years old. Uh, The next one is a nurse, a 20-year veteran nurse that's aged 40 and part of a union, and then a 38-year-old Presbyterian minister, and... uh, a 52-year-old disabled and retired Cleveland firefighter. So they're, I think, beginning to discover that this they can't box it up. It's not students and young people only, which is kind of how they made fun of the protests in the 60s, even though it wasn't young people only even then. Uh, but sort of the way that these things go, you know, you put these people that are making noise in a box, then you can throw the box away. And they're finding they can't really, you know, we've got unions protesting, we've got, uh, you know, joining the protest. We've got, uh, I saw a 20-minute video uh, over the weekend of a uh, Columbia University professor that was just down there in the crowd and press people, you know, figured out who he was because he was talking to kids. And, um, uh, he made some very eloquent uh, points about what's you know going on and what people are upset about that he's talking to out there, and uh, this well, they don't have a cohesive message and they don't have a leadership and they don't have a. They don't need a leadership. They all have their own individual leadership, and they do have a cohesive message. We're the 99%. It's pretty cohesive. Yeah. Yeah, they really haven't. They haven't deviated um, on the original message at all, and and we're the 
uh, really encompasses all the issues that individuals are bringing forth in into the movement, which is to say, healthcare um, benefits, poor pay. Um, I, I mean, I, and I'm hearing on the news that the United States has a 90% unemployment rate. For me, a couple of days ago, it was just an insane and rude awakening. I thought I had misheard. I, you know, I had to ask um, my family three times, was that really 90%? Did I hear that right? Um, you know, and, and, and every single one of those issues is being, is being covered by that we're the 99%. You guys are the 1%. You're not doing anything about it. We're going to get up in your face until you do make the changes you need to make so our people are taken care of. And, um, you know, it early on, the Wall Street Journal, they had an editorial piece, I think, not really even a news piece. And uh, it, the editorial piece basically said, you know, well, we're, we're aware that this is going on, but we're not really going to give it any coverage. We're just, you know, we, we think that, that there's nothing to it. This is a, uh, a passing fad, um, and uh, it'll all be over soon. And uh, which belies the fact, you know, that we're not paying attention to it. We're not worried about it. We don't think much of it. It belies the fact that there they are covering it. They're shaking in their boots over it because they don't know what to do about it. They can't make it go away. Um, they've pepper sprayed some grandmothers. They've arrested some people. They've put zip ties around people's wrists. They've been nice and allowed them to protest. They've moved them away. They've they've tried all of their little tactics, and, and even just with the first brush, it's backfiring on them. Um, and so, um, well, I think I think a, a big part a big part of this is also to keep in mind that this is not a violent protest, and um, so so really, they don't. As far as removing them, um, arresting them, charging them, and, and making the charges stick, they don't really have a legal leg to stand on. Because you have a right in the United States to say to your government, hey, 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 um, you need to rethink your policies. And, um, you know, that's covered in right. in the Constitution. And I think that's probably where the strength of of this, I don't know if you want to call it a revolution, movement, um, gathering of, of like minds that's where the strength lies, is that it's not a violent protest. They're not asking um, for a teardown of of society. They're not wanting people to start burning stuff and, and causing all sorts of trouble. So the police really don't have anything to charge them with. And it, it's at this point, four weeks in, you know, I mean, there's so much independent coverage on it that, that the police can't even really get away with arresting people without reason because they're constantly being monitored by the public and the public's cameras. Yeah, there's there's a cell phone video camera within eyes reach of everything that goes on down there. And um uh so I think that even the riot police are beginning to think twice about what they're doing. Um, uh, I did see a video the other day where a uh, 
police officer in a white uniform shirt, so he's perhaps a, 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 of a leadership grade, uh, took a baton to the belly of a, a member of the press. And uh, Oh, yeah, how'd that go? Well, it didn't go very well, and in fact, after a little bit, a fellow that was very looking starched and pressed in the middle of all this chaos uh, sort of came over and asked if he was okay because they figured out what they had done. Um, but um, it it is. I mean, I've seen a, a video passing around of a meditation circle, and it wasn't like just one little circle in a spot. It was filmed from all over the place. Um People no, it was that, quite massive. A lot of them, uh, w- when you ask them, they say, "Look, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but uh, I know that we need an answer, and we're not talking about the right question, so we can't get the right answer. So, I just want to start talking about the question, you know. So they're not, you know, listen, my party or my something has the answer. They're, look, we got a problem." And nobody's talking about it, and so it's not going to get fixed, so let's talk about it. And and you're right, that, that's, that activity, that sort of activity is protected in the Constitution and for, I think, a very, very important intention of the Founding Fathers, who basically founded this country on the idea that no government exists save through the power given to it by the people, that the people have the power, the power rests with the people, and that any time a government is not acting in the best interests of the people, the people have a right and responsibility to correct it. And uh, I don't know that they... You could say that they knew things would get way out of hand and we would need to have wild protests. <laughs> but but they knew that that's what happened in America in the 1700s. So they knew it might. And so at the, at, at the foundations is the right to free speech, the right to assemble. Um the right to assemble and discuss because they they all got together in congresses and they called them congresses that just meant a lot of people together congress but but it, to write the declaration to write the constitution they got together and they talked about it because that's the only way you can figure anything out right right you can't just have one person tell you about it even if that one person calls himself Fox News or ABC or CBC, that's no, true. You have to have the, you have to have a discussion. I mean, there has to be an inflow and sharing of of information, varied viewpoints, um, different perceptions, in order to come to come to some kind of cohesive agreement on what the solution is. And and I think that's what this is about this is you know this is not about one small group of people saying again we have the answer um this is about a a, a large amount of people saying we have a whole hell of a lot of problems that need to be addressed and you know we elected our government to take care of these issues it's not happening what are you going to do about it right 
And I see a lot of analysis in the news about, you know, well, could this translate to a political movement? Could this translate into a voting block in the in the upcoming elections? And, and the professor talked to the demonstrators about the fact that they need to become politically active in the form of getting candidates. Um, but it it again to me is almost a way of explaining it away and saying, well, it's not a cohesive voting block and it won't make a difference at the polls. Um, people have got to and and we've talked about this before in terms of like light workers uh, making enemies out of the bankers and making enemies out of this. Look, we we have some systemic problems. The system has got some rules in it that are buggy and they need to be corrected. But bankers are not the enemy. They're just people. In fact, some of them are out at Occupy Wall Street. The famous <laughs> picture of the young man with a dollar bill taped across his mouth that said, you know, I could lose my job for having a, a thought of my own. Um, but the days where those kinds of threats, veiled or otherwise, were very effective are kind of over because, you know, this 25-year-old talking about what his family's gone through in the past decade, people are tired. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired. They're sick and tired of being told there's not an answer. I think I think another thing that they're sick and tired of, of doing is um, every time an election rolls around, electing a new face that they put all their hopes and dreams in, too. And it, it, I don't think at this point it has anything to do with replacing who's in power. Um, it has more to do with holding the people who have been elected <clears throat> Accountable That's right. for the situation because um, putting a new face in isn't isn't going to change the situation. Well, and and there there need to be, in my opinion, some systemic changes because um, this running for election and being a professional politician was not really so much envisioned by the founding fathers. You have to think not that long ago, how different life was. Nah. Just look in your own life at some of the differences. You know, I graduated high school in 1981. Well, that was the year the PC was invented. So that means I survived junior high, high school, with no PC. <laughs> this is just unfathomable to kids today. You didn't have a PC? Well... What did you sync your cell phone to? Well, we didn't have cell phones either. We had none of these things. The only place that you had a little box you could hold in your hand, flip open, and talk to anybody on the planet was on Star Trek. <laughs> really? And it was a dream. And now it's here. So 200 years ago, these esteemed men did not ever consider that someone could become a professional politician because you had a farm or plantation or ranch or blacksmithing business or silversmithing business. You had something that had to have your attention. And 
you just did your bit, and then you went home, and were not a politician. The one of the big things that I, I believe the revolution in the United States, the original U.S. revolution, was about was about the system at that time in the England where what well the king the royal family and the peerage were the one percent the quote politicians of that place so the last thing they were really interested in doing was creating a system of politicians no such job Should be no such job. But when you're looking at, you know, Obama talking about having a billion dollar, needing to put together a billion dollar campaign finance war chest, well, for heaven's sakes, he was running for election the day he got elected. That's the only way you can stay in office. And if you don't stay in office, you lose your job and your immaculate health care and. High, big, paying. Well, actually, you don't. You keep all that for life. You just get elected once. You keep all that for life. That's goofy. Um, you know, I mean, we take the politicians in Washington, you know, just to talk about the United States. But let's take the politicians in Washington. We'll put them all on minimum wage. We'll give them all uh, public health care. We'll put them on Medicare. Uh, and when they retire, they get Social Security. And that's it and see how fast things change. But uh, I was just tallying in my head the amount of dollars that that would save. You know, it... it I remember in the, uh, the 80s, I think it was in the 80s, there was a big scandal here in the United States, and it was over congressional franking. Well, congressional franking was that congressmen mailing a letter... They would just, it, it got stamped by the congressional postal person so they didn't have to pay postage. Really? Really? Hmm. These people have the Senate dining room that serves them this immaculate five-star food on our tax money. And we're worried about a stamp? But, you know, as long as we've got these little these little inconveniences that are being cleaned up, you know, then the press is being a good monitor of the government. No, it's not. And so we've made our own press and through the Internet and through shows like Coffee with Source. And they don't have any control over that. And I really think that what you're seeing most from most governments right now is just almost near paralysis from fear. Nobody's really, like, run them out of town on a rail yet, but they know that somebody's watching, and that makes them nervous because they know what they're doing is shenanigans. It's true. And um, as as far as, I mean, the idea is not to not to get rid of government. No. You know, I mean, and, and, and so when we talk about the government being in fear, um, it, it's not they're in fear of, of, of being destroyed. Um, but I would say that they're definitely, definitely a little nervous yeah. about, about having to clean up their act 
because they do know that they're overspending. They do know that um, the lifestyles that they live are are unfair. Um, they do know that the people, the general populace, are not being taken care of. And they do know that people are watching. And, and people watching means, again, they're going to have to, at some point or other, be held accountable for their actions. And that bothers people, I think, in Washington, because there's a lot of people in Washington, good people, that first ran for office because they saw something that needed changing, or a lot of somethings. And then they arrived in Washington, because by the time they got nominated, they now had their party's nomination. And so now they have to answer to the party, and the party answers to the donors, and the donors of any significance are the corporations. And we recently in the United States tried to restrict the corporation's ability to give money. But because of the way corporations got set up legally, they're set up to have, well, they're set up as entities. Well, what does that mean? It means that they have human rights. It means that they are considered by the law, in the eyes of the law, to be people And that they have human rights and that they can sue people and they can enforce those rights against individuals. And let's not forget that that also means that, um, and this is a key factor that a lot of a lot of people don't know unless you've looked into what it means to be a corporation, that the individuals who make up the corporation, who um, are behind the building of the corporation, cannot be touched if the corporation itself is being attacked. That's right. The individuals are not held accountable and responsible for the actions of the corporation. So the corporation itself is a separate entity altogether from the individuals who... And if if an individual who is a member of the corporation is charged or owes money, the corporation is not responsible for that individual's actions. So they're two entirely separate entities, even though they are one and the same. Well, and the... The, quote, what happens day to day, it happens because people do it. Yeah? So yeah. we'll just set it up so that any individual, the the the, the fracking chief executive does something wrong, the corporation could, oh, we didn't know. As soon as we found out, we fired him. No. As soon as we, the people, found out, they fired him. But that's aside for the... Uh, for the moment, there is no personal responsibility. And you say, well, that's that's something people have to do. Well, but, but, but we've built a structure that makes it so easy to, well, it's, you know, corporate policy. Everybody can say that from the leader down. So the leader doesn't have to take responsibility. We know about all these CEOs that, you know, wow, that move didn't work out, and so, you know, I'm going to step down, let new leadership come in, and the new blood should fire things up. Here's my follow-on. He's going to fix the world. And then they leave with their multi-million dollar golden parachute and go to another company. And it doesn't really matter whether they screw it up or do it right. They get their millions of dollars and go move to the next one. Um once upon a time, even people that worked in, quote, corporations, they considered that they had personal responsibility for things. Uh, I know that we had uh, Paxton Roby on Everyday Connection 
and he talked about the fact that he was in charge of a 707 fleet, which meant that any 707 in the fleet that was late because of a mechanical problem or otherwise had a mechanical glitch was my responsibility, were his exact words. People today say, yes, my department oversees that. You'd be hard-pressed to find somebody, even at a manager level, to say it is my responsibility. And we have made this culture where corporations, banks, things are them, and we're us. So even the people that work there, the corporation is this thing Mm -hmm. that they have no power over. And it's not. And that's and that's where that division of us and them comes into play that causes people to feel powerless because they have all of what do, who is they they are made up of individuals they are made up of people as soon as i mean Bashar talks about this, and I agree with him wholeheartedly as soon as you talk about the government and you make it them they nebulous thing over there it you whether we've called it a corporation on paper or not you have energetically created this entity that can now run away it's just people it's just people and this is where i think that occupy wall street has has um done a really good thing in saying we are are the 99% um yeah. is that it's it's taken that taken that away right it's taken that they have all the power idea out of the minds of people and put put a sense of, of hope and a sense of we can create change back into the hearts of everyday people. And I think that's what's really driving And a sense of community. Yeah. These people are not camping alone. out up there. They're, they know they're not alone. They know whether they're 52-year-old retired firefighters or 25-year-olds wondering if they're ever going to have a life. That they're not alone. And they're still united in their purpose. Enormous power in that. Enormous power. United in their need. Yeah. You know, somebody can be sitting somewhere thinking something, but, you know, and they know a couple of their friends that think it, but, you know, most people don't. And then they find out most people do. Most people do. It, it, like I said, I'm not, I'm certainly not saying I've got the answers. Making corporations not be people is be a real good step, but and making it illegal for anybody but a people to give a donation to a political candidate. Um, and uh, uh, or party and uh, take that corporate money out of there, take that corporate ability to say i'm you're going to need me to get reelected, and then the government can tell the corporations when they're playing shenanigans. They really can't right now because they'd all lose their jobs and they're all scared of that. They're people like you and me. They don't want to get fired. It's an absolutely crazy concept to give um, to give a status of, of human rights to any entity that doesn't have morals and ethics. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it, if you want to get some human rights, you need to be a human. Which means that the only thing that can have human rights is an individual. 
And if a group is to have any rights whatsoever, th those rights are just a bundle of the individuals that make up the group. It is not some super entity or super citizen. Because that's what we've wound up with, at least in the United States, as far as campaign finance. Supreme Court says, oh, you can't limit the corporations. They have a First Amendment right. They have well, no First Amendment rights. It's the same in Canada. The same. Um, I remember looking into launching businesses and finding out exactly what it meant to be a corporation was was rather shocking. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean that the I I I can launch a corporation and not be responsible for now, the actions of the corporation or held accountable? And, That's insane. And people say, well, look at what the corporations have done for us. We've got these big, you know, international distribution systems. We couldn't have put that together without the power of a group. Well, I agree. And I agree that there should be some way, if multiple people are going to invest in a business, that that's handled. Uh, but it does not create a person with human rights. It just doesn't. I'm sorry. I mean, it reminds me of the old joke about the scientist who decided, you know, to challenge God. He said, I can make a man from dirt. And so he issued his challenge, and contrary to his normal, you know, behavior, God showed up, because God does have a sense of humor. And so God showed up and said, all right, cool. What's this story? And the guy said, well, I, I can make a man out of dirt. And God said, okay, I'd like to see this. Let's go. And, um, because the scientist was willing to admit that God made man out of dirt. And, uh, you know, so the scientist shows up with his lab equipment, portable little lab equipment, and he reaches down to pick up some dirt. And God says, ah, 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 ah. make your own dirt. <laughs> and, you know, we don't make people, except in the bedroom, we don't make people on paper out of some something that then become this entity that has powers and can exercise those powers without my permission as one of the people that gave it power. It, 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 the functionality of it is that it can't happen. And that's what's happening is the people who are the power are coming away from these old structures energetically. And now they're doing it physically. They think these people are going to go away. I don't think these people are going anywhere. I hope they don't. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna go away either. And I only say that because it, it seems to be growing. And that's. Um, I mean, there's there's Occupy Wall Street protests going on now across the United States, I, and I'm given to understand that there's support for them even here in Canada. Um, yeah, I. Which is uh, I incredible. shared a picture. I shared a picture on Facebook uh, either last night or this morning from the Occupy Canada group. Uh, and then there's a, there was Occupy Toronto. They went down to the financial district. Uh, now, some of these inspired protests that are really showing support and agreement are perhaps not all, you know, they've had one in California and, and, and they went and then they were done. But but then they went again the next weekend. So they weren't done, you know. And... Uh, and, you know, well, who are these? Why would we pay attention to these people who are camped out in a park? They obviously don't have jobs. They're worthless people. Oh, they have jobs. Professors at Columbia University, things like that. Some of them don't have jobs, and that's the problem. That's the problem. Students with massive debts. And, 
and they're all together talking about it. Mm-hmm. You go watch these cameras wander through, and sometimes somebody may be talking, but they're they're also talking amongst themselves, and they're taking questions, and they're discussing. And let me tell you what, you get a big group of people together, and you get them talking, and it doesn't take very long before they filter through some options and start to come to consensus. And that's what I think, if anybody was to be, quote, worried about something, is to have groups of people coming to consensus. Because uh, I think that they know, I believe anyway, that the consensus is that this is shenanigans and that it's time to stop it. And um, It'll it'll be interesting to watch over the next few weeks where it goes. Yeah, yeah, and, um, you know, see what happens when the weather turns cold, that kind of thing, I guess. Um, I don't know, we've seen protests before where people start bringing bringing blankets and, um, you know, jackets and, and warm weather stuff to, to support the protesters, to keep them warm, bringing hot food. So it, it's, more than, it's more than possible that that could happen in this case as well. Yeah, I don't see any reason why not. And, uh, this is um, a movement that's based on based on the principles of community, and that uh, again, where where their strength lies. That uh, the, as far as the group is concerned, within the group there are no divisions. Uh, it doesn't matter where you come from, who you are, what you do for a living. A banker can protest alongside, you know, a starving student. It just doesn't matter as long as your your vision and your needs and your desires and your wants are in alignment. Um, so it, it really is, it has turned into a massive community effort. So, we don't want to let that have the whole No, we don't. Hour, but um, but it's a fun it, subject. <laughs> it's a fun subject uh, in, in part, I think, because of the, media blackout or media not paying that much attention is we're not having to listen to the vilified venomous statements. We're just getting to listen to the people talk and um, uh, and, and being able to form our own opinion and that's how it ought to be. Um, so what else are these groups of people getting together and doing and, and uh, what about what about India? We talked about India this morning when we were Getting ready. We're having our warm-up bullpen session for the show. Yeah, actually, we talked about India twice. Um, I mean, we could go with the the weird news from India, or we could go with the really cool news from well, India. I think we get enough weird news. Um, right. At least, you know, for the most part, we we like to make fun of weird news here too. <laughs> we'll do that, but uh, maybe we'll tackle that one tomorrow. There's for the next day. Really cool news uh, out of India. Absolutely. Um, people talk, you know, there was this big scare in the United States that we're going to outsource the country to India, and et cetera. Well, you know, I've seen some great speeches and articles and analysis on why, and one of them is, you know, getting the basics in line like education. Um, and on that note, the government stood up a while back and said, we want to provide internet access to all students in the entire country. All of them. Every one of them needs to have their own way to access the internet. 
So um, we want to have a tablet, sort of an iPad. Um, we want to have a tablet for these kids. And we want to be able to provide it to them for $10. And I remember when they made that announcement, there were several articles in uh, in computer magazines that talked about the impossibility of it. Yeah, all the all the major corporations opted out of this one. Yeah, they right? all said we can't we can't help you. You know, Samsung, oh yeah, no, we can't do that. Apple, no. Apple, the big champion of education. No, we can't do that. Um HTC, all these people, even Blackberry that's trying to sell a tablet and going down the toilet with it said, "No, we can't help you with that." So you know, that's why the Indian government made the sort of public in the news just, hey, we need to do this. And and somebody said, yeah. So out of the U.K. comes this little tiny company. Uh, owned by a Canadian. You know, those Canadians, frisky little fellows. Who, who's of Indian descent, yes. Of Indian descent. See, we're all we. We're all we. And he said, yeah, we can do that. And uh, so they've recently uh, begun to pass them out. Um, Their human resource development minister, you know, I don't recall having a human resource development member of cabinet or government or anything in the United States. But anyway, their human resource development minister launched it in uh, Delhi by handing out 500 of these tablets. Oh, which by the way, that now have been produced are called Akash, which for our spiritually minded friends like Gene and myself probably heard of there's this other thing around called the Akash in which are contained the Akashic records. And I think it's fun that this has the same name, you know, because where are you going to find it? Well, look it up on Akash. Well, yeah. Now, Akash does mean sky. Yes, it does mean sky. That's what they've named it after. I don't for, think for people who want to um, what the know what the word. But then um, I, I believe that as as part of the launch, you know, um, the gentleman who helped to launch this said, "I want I want young people to know that you know the sky's the limit. Really, like there's there's nothing you can't do." Um, and I think that was the idea behind it is providing these uh, young young people who otherwise wouldn't have the same equal access as their educated brothers and sisters to all this information so that they can, even if they can't afford to go to school, they can self-educate. They can self-educate and they can communicate. These tablets do indeed support video chat. So something I've always known and I think everyone in power for many thousands of years has known, if everybody's talking to everybody, it's real hard to pull shenanigans on them. It really is. I mean, to 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 talk the next couple generations into, into um, continuing on with wars when you've got, you know, um, farmers from <laughs> New Guinea talking to um, city people from the UK, talking to, um, you know, a watermelon farmer from the Philippines. Uh, 
it, it's going to be near to impossible to convince these people when they are communicating directly, one-on-one. It's going to be very hard to convince them that they're a danger to each other. That's right. And, and, and very hard to convince them that we should go over and start shooting them. You know, you can't go over and start shooting them. That's my friend now. And, and, and I think that's part of why I love the diversity of Canada so much. It's, it's because, um, you know, you, now you've got a whole bunch of people living in Canada. They don't want to attack anywhere because every country in the world is represented here within our borders. Um, um, it, I mean, so it, it, it's almost ludicrous to to consider um, attacking anybody because that person could be a relative of my neighbor. Right, and and, and that's you, a really... you would think with the melting pot the United States is that that would be the case, and we wouldn't be going to war with people. You would think. And the truth is, if you ask Joe on the street, they rarely ever want to go to war with anybody. They're up at Wa- Occupy Wall Street looking for a job. <laughs> so true. Um, and healthcare, they're, they're, but they're really more worried about more worried about um, and their own butts at this point. I mean, they need food, they need shelter, they need. And and certainly launching a war is not going to provide food, shelter. No. If if the war is in some other country, it's not going to provide immediate food and shelter right here, right now for my my starving children. So, yeah, the average Joe doesn't want anything to do with the war. No. No, no. They want solutions. And and you go ask the people on the street, no, I don't think we – I'm not sure going to war is the answer. We're going to shoot people. And, and then you go ask the man on the street on the other side of whatever – supposed disagreement it is and they go yeah i don't want to have a war that's ridiculous we've had war in this country for a thousand years i don't want no more of that but you know if i think my family's threatened that's what i'll do and and that's the, the case on both sides so how did you ever have a war to start with it's because you have the interests of the few over the many and it is but uh, I mean, I'll, I'll go out on a limb. It's about to stop. It, it, yeah, it, it really is because it, it, in times past there hasn't been the level of communication um, cross continental that there is now, uh, and we're really able now to explore one another's cultures and um, breach the gap of understanding. You know, I mean, you can understand where somebody else is coming from when you're able to talk one on one with them and hear from them what their life really is like. So, it, it, you know... It, it, I think yeah. it's never been the case. You look at the, quote, history books, and, you know, the Romans were worried about the Vandals and the Visigoths and all, because, man, when they come in, they, they rape all the women and they, they behead all the men. And Well, there's people escaping from Sirte in Libya right now and when they're asked, why didn't you come out four days ago when the when the transitional government said, okay, we're going to have a truce for two days. We're not going to fire for two days because we want the civilians to get out. Why didn't you come then? And Well, because the Gaddafi loyalists had told us that we would be raped and murdered if we surrendered. So, so this, they're going to rape you and murder you and eat your babies and stuff. That's been going on forever. And it's most always been a lie. Uh, but when you, you know, maybe you could understand it in medieval times because only the kings got the juice to be able to send letters back and forth to France. So then the king tells you and all the royalty tell you that the French are, 
demon worshippers and should be extinguished from our continent, you say, okay, you look at World War II, uh, propaganda in the United States, and listen, I I would have been behind stopping Hitler and stopping the Japanese. They they were pulling shenanigans to the nth degree. However, if you look at the psychology of it, they were the Japs, they were the Krauts, they were the well. Why was it made that way? And the, well, because we were making fun. No, not because we were making fun of them, but because. If if you're going to go shoot people, you can go shoot Krauts and you can go shoot Japs, but you can't go shoot Franz that cooks buns at the local cafe. You can't do that. People don't do that. No, they and don't. And you can't say the Krauts and the Japs when these people are all talking to each other because they know it's Joe and Jaime and whatever else that, you know, makes tortillas or makes buns or whatever it is. Uh, it really does. It it, it, it ends, it puts a, a complete and utter end to propaganda. And, and once you do that, it's very, very hard. You know, oh, people are easily led and people are, no. Only when they've been lied to and given false information are they easily led into shenanigans. Nobody likes shenanigans. You know, maybe the shenanigans that, you know, last year's company Christmas party, but... But that's a totally different type of shenanigans. Not these shenanigans we're talking about. Now, flipping from the serious to the absolutely divine, um, <laughs> I want to talk a minute about, about um, that crazy story um, about the protesting dog. Sausage. Yeah, and I know this is true because I posted the story to my Facebook wall, and I have a I have a good friend who is living in Greece, and she just was effusive with, "Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to see you making our protest dog famous." Seems sausage, who is a stray dog. People get confused. Uh, Americans would be confused, I'm sure, because he's got a collar and he's got tags, and so he can't be a stray. Well, in Greece, all stray dogs have collars and tags because the government gives them to them because they kind of try to take care of their stray dogs. But anyway, this dog, since 2008, has been showing up and is on film at the front lines of virtually every protest that has occurred. On the side of the protesters, we might add. Always takes the side of the protesters, barks at the police, bites the police, trips police coming downstairs, uh, romps around through tear gas, sneezing. Uh, and, And I've seen this on film, this dog. And, it's um, very cool. It is very cool. Um, it's worth looking up. Sausage, the protesting dog from Greece. Um, absolutely gorgeous dog. Is obviously well taken care of. Um, very healthy. And um, you know, props to Sausage for repping the animal kingdom uh, with sure. regards to with regards to human rights and freedom. I would say take a look at that. You know, that this animal who doesn't have an owner that's trained it, you know, it shows up for, well, why does it show up for protests? Well, there's a lot of energy and excitement, so that's what it's showing up for. But why does it always take the side of the protesters? Sometimes there's more police. Why doesn't it take the police's side? Because the energy of freedom is on the people's side, so it's over there. 
Exactly. I was thinking that it, it's definitely tapping into the vibration of the protesters and the energy in, of, of, in the feel of the protesters because they're, they're thinking, they're thinking freedom. They're thinking, um, you know, positive outcome. And, and this dog is fairly good sized, but the only times it's bitten the police, it's been a nip at the ankle or, you know, mostly it just barks. Uh, it's not trying to be violent or get on anybody, but when the police get a little shenanigan it it'll bite one on the ankle. But it barks and runs and romps and is frisky. And seems to be having a whole hell of a lot of fun doing it. When, when you actually see the footage, um, <laughs> Sausage looks like he's a very happy dog. Um, and, and it's something to consider that here is an animal um, and, and we know, we just know from interacting with animals on a daily basis, almost everybody at some point in their life has a pet. Now, we know that animals are very sensitive to emotion. They're very sensitive to energy. When somebody is in a pissy mood in your house, they're going to go hang out with the person that's in a good mood or the passive mood or, you know, I mean, they're going to avoid the negative energy at all costs. If this dog is always, always, always hanging out with the protesters, that has to say something about the energy that's coming off of those group of people who are demanding their rights and their freedom. It it, it, it just does. And um, it's a natural part of the animal kingdom that they go away from funky vibrations and go towards... High vibrations, and high vibrations are sovereign individuals and uh, freedom. And it's not chaos. It's not anarchy that any of these people are looking for. You see the protests that continue in Egypt on smaller scales, yet some people are dying. And yeah, they, they have some differences they need to work out that they were just forced to ignore when they were being suppressed. But for the most part, it's... Look, okay, the bad guy's gone. Now, where's the, you know, police doing the right thing? And where's the firemen doing the right thing? And uh, they want their freedom. And um, and is freedom a mess? No. I've never seen anybody that's free protest. I've only seen people that are being suppressed protest. You ever seen anybody that's on an all-expense-paid vacation? They don't have to worry about money. They don't have to worry about schedules. They don't have to worry about nothing. You ever seen any of them protesting? Well, maybe if the lunch buffet is late opening. You know? Who would dare? What a crisis, you know? And it just doesn't happen. Free people don't do it. They don't do it. You can't. They don't do it. So if it's happening, there's a problem. It's a symptom. And it's also the cure. So think for yourself. I don't care if we said it. I don't care if the major news media said it. I don't care if Wall Street said it. I don't care if your pastor said it. If it doesn't make sense to you, then for you it's not right. And if we can come to the very few things that we can all agree on as being right, then leave the rest out, we'd be a lot better off. Um, and you'll find, I think, talking to the people that are 
dissatisfied and out around today that that's all they want. I want to be able to feed my family and house my family and close my family. I don't want to have to patch my pants for the 17th time. I'd like to get a new pair. I don't have to have every latest fashion, but I'd like something with no holes in it, please. Or at least if it's got holes in it, it's the ones that the designer put there. <clears throat> you know, No offense to the people that like the jeans with the holes in the knee. I always loved girls with jeans with holes in the knee back when I was a kid. I wore them, lots of them. And, but we used to have to cut our own or wear them out one yeah. way or the other. I, I had some cut-off jeans, shorts, when I was a kid. It was because I'd worn the knees out of the pants or whatever, you know? We certainly it, couldn't buy them that way. Yeah, it, yeah. They weren't available in stores. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're, we're approaching the end of our first uh, our first hour of the new format, Coffee with Source. Uh, it will be there will be a little shake up. We're going to start having some breaks. Uh, we're going to uh, play some spots for uh, some of the projects we're involved in and some other people's projects as well. Um, and we might even occasionally bring on the odd um, the odd person to talk about um, whatever they're doing to um, you know work towards a, a more shenanigan free existence. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I don't want to say making the world a better place um, because the world's a pretty awesome place. Pretty awesome place. It is a pretty awesome place. Um, but whatever, whatever they're, whatever they're doing to um, uplift, inspire. And uh, that's, you know, we're going to bring them on occasionally to talk about that once in a while to let you know what other people are doing around the world. And, uh, and to try to take some of these things and call the shenanigans, but, but then also see, that behind the shenanigans, there's some good people that are just trying to make it. And um, because if we can take those good people and get them connected to each other, not to play on our everyday connection, but really it comes down to that everyday connection of self, you know, uh, these problems will solve. The solutions are there. And um, we're going to look for them now, I think. They're going to quite literally solve themselves. I think that's the that's the key element. There is um, once people start communicating on that level, the problems are just going to go away. Oh yeah, and uh, these governments that are trying to do things to rein in uh, the wild and open communication on the internet are finding that it's impossible, and uh, as it should be, uh, we should all have the right to talk to our brothers and sisters, because that's what they are. Cousins, if you will, brothers and sisters too close for you. Okay, cousins. But uh, we're all just down here trying to get to Friday or whatever it is <laughs> that's our thing. You know? And, um, and of course, for our, um, our Canadian guests, I just want to say uh, happy Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Uh, silliness to only do it once a year. Do it more often, folks. Absolutely. We have a lot to be grateful for. Uh, we live in an incredible times, an incredible world. Um, there's uh, the, the change, changes that have occurred in even in the past 20 years um, with regards to how society interacts with one another uh, are, are just so amazing that um, it, you can't help but, but be in awe of, of how much we've managed to 
overcome and, and that's got to uplift you and inspire you and, and, and you know, be proof that that it is constantly always improving. And uh, and sometimes that ride of improvement is just a blast. You know, you get to go hang out in Wall Street, sing songs, meditate. It can be fun. So everybody stay connected. Look inside for your answers. doesn't mean you ignore your brothers and sisters. You listen to what they have to say, but then you go with what makes sense to you. You go with what feels right to you. And it'll all happen right. I promise. It will not be chaos. I don't care what the established people in the media and the corporate structure would like to tell you. Oh, gracious, we can't have this. Sovereign individual. Sounds like chaos. <laughs> Dreadful. Get those people in line. Let them eat cake. Yeah, well, we see how well that worked for Marie Antoinette. Well, kids, that's the news. And uh, we will see you on Wednesday. Oh, Indeed, no, we will. Wait. We'll see you Tuesday evening. We'll see you Tuesday evening. With uh, Mama Webb. And then we'll be back Wednesday morning to uh, poke a little more fun at and laugh at this established whatever it is. And uh, see where it gets us. So have a great day, y'all. Bye. Join Rick and Jean again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and be sure to like their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Worried you might miss an episode? Don't worry. Subscribe. Find us on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free just like your everyday connection. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.